Welcome back, Bonkheads, and welcome to Season 2. That's right, we finished up our regular racing season in November, and now coming at you in January 2023, we're starting Season 2. Um, until we start actually racing bikes, we're going to be having a couple guests on the pod to talk about their experiences racing bikes and why they love doing it. This first guest is my personal coach, Caleb Schwartz. He is a big part of where I am as a cyclist and how I've gotten here. He also went to Marion at one point, so Judah and I hear stories about what he did while he was here all the time. But he's currently living and training in Missoula, Montana, while he targets all of the big U.S. cyclocross races. And he's even going to Europe here pretty soon to try his hand over there. So we got a little bit deep in the weeds here in a couple spots, but that's what we're here for. Let's get right into it. All right. So, Marco, this is my coach, Caleb Schwartz. Caleb Schwartz, this is Marco Riolo. He's a friend of Judah and I's from Grand Rapids. Sweet. Nice to meet you, Marco. Nice to meet you, champion. You probably haven't listened to one of these. Not yet, dude. I have have been (laughs) honestly like... I'm so cycling media out. You have no idea how much. That's fair. Like I, Holy crap. Like I, I fluctuate between consuming no social media or like cycling media for months and then going back into phases of it. And uh, yeah. And by that, I like binge watch cyclocross and I don't watch it for a month. That's fair. Thank, thank goodness. Cause you're, you're in the best place. This is the underground. We're here. for <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. This is the All right, I'm get this started. I'm here for it. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you wanna do the, oh, what's your intro, Judah? What's my intro? Yeah. Caleb, what's your biggest, baddest, most hilariously embarrassing bonk you've ever had on a bike ride or race? Oh man. Or two Ooh. or three. Or two or let's three. See. The one. Prominently comes to mind was uh, I did like a five hour ride this past April in Missoula. Oh, so it, it was, was like a fifth. What'd you say? It was recent. Yeah. Oh, I, I still bonk. It's, it's something that you just <laughs> keep doing. It's, yes. But uh, oh, sure. yeah, yeah, I think I was riding like it's a 50 mile out and back to this lake in the middle of nowhere, kind of on a highway, kind of sketchy. Probably not a ride I'll do again, but uh, you gotta I got there. Yeah, you know, somewhere cool. Yeah, and yeah, I ended up eating like an entire meal at a gas station of just gross amounts of candy, and it was like snowing and thirty-five degrees. Sick. And then I had to do like fifty miles. Oh yeah, winter. Uh, well, summer comes in like June here. Oof. Big Montana. Yeah, that is rough. Yeah, it kind of fluctuates. You know, you get your you get your fifty degree days in February, and you also get your negative fifteen degree days in February, and then also March, and then you get snow in June, and then eventually summer. What's the coldest you? What's the coldest you went on a bike ride last year, last winter? Oh, well, so because I'm a professional athlete, I do just like do things like go to Arizona. Yeah. Um, but uh, the coldest, my like lower limit for like an endurance ride is like low twenties. 
Yeah, that's oh, fair. That's valid. That's factual. Yeah. I can agree with that. I think I think same. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like Rita hauled me on a ride this spring <laughs> when I was in Indy. It was like twenty six degrees and windy, and we went out into the grid, which is just the windiest place you can go. Yeah. It was so cold. That was rough. We were gonna do like three hours and we both like called it at two. We were like, Yeah, yeah we're done. I think we got yeah. two. I think the most we hit the two hour mark and we we're like, there's no way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, All right. I think we cut you off on your epic bonk story. I yeah, what happened oh, in the man. bonk where you, you had your I... candy shop? Yeah, what happened? Oh yeah, I was just a gas oh I just like smashed like I don't even know how many calories of food. I ate like a thousand calories in a sitting, which which is what you you never want to do on a ride. It just never yeah. like you'll get back to full gas eventually. But uh yeah, then I think I suffered for an hour and then I started momming again and then I smashed it all the way home and it was like a five hour banger per usual. Um wow. but yeah, because it's not actually like you know, it's like blood glucose bonk is very fixable. It's not like my muscles ran out of uh, actual like stored glycogen. Yeah. Um, which I am, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of super sapiens at all. No, tell, oh, yeah, please. I saw you telling it, talking about that on your story and stuff. You don't usually yeah. get the actual science of the bonk. Oh boy. So get yeah, so here's the science. Here's the science. So, tell it, super- tell it. Super Sapiens is a continuous glucose monitoring device. It's only available publicly in like Europe and other stuff because the FDA is behind because of COVID. But I'm on a, I have a partnership with them. Basically, it's a micro needle attached to a Bluetooth sensor in my arm that no sends way. live blood glucose readings to an app on my phone. And I can also stream it directly to my Garmin now. Oh, that's sick. No way. Yep way and uh that (laughs) there's basically like performance zones similar to power or heart rate and um basically the goal is stability meaning like you don't want giant drops or negative slope or other things which you know your blood glucose drops like a rock you're bonking so that uh that's what i have now and i will be using next spring for the big base miles when these these bonks usually occur. Yeah. Wow. That's rock and sock and robots. So is it like a lot? Li- is it like a live thing where you can just see like, oh, I'm below this threshold. I need to eat, and you can like watch it go back up and kind of like keep yourself in the zone that you want to be at. Yeah, pretty much. So like, wow. Like cur- currently, I'm doing 134 milligrams per diliter. Um, milligrams per diliter. Diliter is the unit of blood volume. A diliter is like a hundredth of a liter or maybe a thousandth of a liter. I don't know what a diet is. Someone Google this. But (laughs) it's probably really small because it's probably like a liter's a lot of blood. A little drop of blood. Yeah, Yeah, a little drops of blood. Yeah. People start using this in gravel racing and then it's going to be like against the spirit of gravel and have an Instagram (laughs) fight about it. Oh, oh, they already do. It's going to be like freaking F1 racing where they got like the diagram of like how much fuel and how long the tires are lasting. It's like, when's oh, he going to wow. bonk? It's coming in. It's coming in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Eat a gel. Whole, eat a gel. <laughs> the whole cinch team already uses it. And like Freddie Ovet uses it and other people use it already in gravel. Yeah. That's sick. Wow. Yeah. That'd be so helpful for like any race over three hours or something. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I used it for a stage race and another long race I did this past August, and it was super interesting. 
yeah. um, to see what happens. Um, yeah, it turns out after like hour like 14 in a row of gravel racing, you, you yeah. just kind of suffer on the next day when you're doing like hour 15 through 18, turns out. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, interesting. Out. So, yep. are you like, do you like try to get it up like as high as high as possible so you're running on like jet fuel or is that like not good? For cross, yeah, I just oh, really? yeah, oh. oh yeah, I just eat a ton and then put her a, put her through the roof and leave it. That's cool. Basically, so yeah, like, like... Bunch of sour patch kids right before the start and stuff. No, um, <laughs> interesting. Interestingly, like the timing and other stuff is all well. Part of it's relative to what kind of carbohydrate sources you're eating. Yeah. Um. So basically, the data suggests that you eat four hours before or basically 20 minutes before um, and huh. basically nothing in between that more or really? less. Um, yeah. Wow. Cause wow. basically what happens is so when you eat, you basically your body breaks it down, starts, you know, whatever, doing the stuff with the glycogen and your body street insulin to kind of counter out that. So the timing of that in combination with what you're eating it's basically like what impacts the fuel availability you have for racing and training. Um, so a lot of times what happens if you eat within like 30 minutes to two and a half hours, three hours before events or training, whatever it is, you'll get what's called like a hypo, hypo rebound, which is like a hypo, hypo rebound. rebound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which basically, you know, as you start training, your blood sugar spikes because you know basically there's a few different factors for what spike uh glucose levels adrenaline um adrenaline exercise mood i don't know what other thing i forget but you yeah. know so you'll get a spike which is an even greater spike because your body's already kind of working on food and stuff but then your body will release a bunch of insulin to kind of like try and tone it down and then it'll kind of crash it hmm. so you're telling me that this, that your body, if you have your an adrenaline spike, your insulin kicks in to calm it down. Kind of, sort of. <laughs> depends so on you're, depends what you're doing. If you're still exercising, you know your body's not going to try and like quell all the insulin because it knows it needs the fuel available. Um, <sighs> but huh. basically, like because you're kind of like, yeah, it's hard to explain. Hard, a little hard to explain what the hypoglycemic rebound effect is. Basically, if you eat too close or in between that gray area, it goes up high the way it should, but then it crashes, and then it crashes hard, and then usually you can't get it back up to that same level or where you need to be because your body's kind of kind of confused, basically. Really? Wow. Yeah. Right, so explain, like, you got a cross race at, like, what's it, like – 4 p.m. At 4 p.m. What what's your uh, food routine all the way up until the race and during? Yeah, what does Caleb do? So, I will get up. Who knows when? Honestly, <laughs> like depends on where I'm racing. If I'm on the East Coast and I haven't tried to adjust at all, I might get up at eight. I might get up at ten. Who knows? Time changes. So I'm on <laughs> Mountain Time. This is I did sleep into like 9:45 like all three days last or the other week in Cape Cod, but uh. Also, Indy, actually. I just I just gave up on adjusting to East Coast time, actually. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I get up, 
8 a.m., whatever, 9 a.m., 10 a.m., somewhere in there, eat. I eat two eggs. I Oh, also, we're going to layer this year. The order in which you eat your food makes a difference. Jeez. Uh, yeah. So Man, basically, I've been doing this all wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty far into the weeds here, but yeah, so, no joke. Keep going. going. We're in the jungle that. with you. Keep going. This is cool. So first, uh, think about, you know, high glycemic index versus low glycemic index. Low glycemic index foods are low glycemic, partially from my understanding, because they are a carbohydrate source with fiber. So brown rice has fiber, white rice doesn't. Um, so similarly, if you eat your protein and then your vegetables and then your white rice the night before your race, you're going to get greater glucose stability out of that because your body is processing the fiber first, which will then slow down the carbohydrate digestion and the glycogen. Oh, my God. Amazing. So if, so if you eat brown rice first, it'll slow down the carbs being processed so that they're like still in use in the morning when you need them. Well, brown rice is just a carb in general, and it's just a slower digesting carb than white rice. Um, so it's still like a, eh, it's still like a faster fuel source than like a bolus, or it's like not the same as, you know, you wouldn't use, you probably wouldn't use brown rice to slow down your carbohydrate intake from white rice. But I always do the same thing because it's super easy, it's super repeatable. I eat two eggs, I eat a cup of oatmeal, dry oatmeal, microwave. I don't know how much it ends up being same with rice. I don't know, you know cup of oatmeal with peanut butter, honey, whatever else I've got. I eat the eggs first because I'm staying protein, slows down the carbs, greater stability. Oh, traffic jam, distraction, move on. Yep. <laughs> eat the, then eat the oatmeal. Then whatever time from there is exactly four hours before my race, I eat my pre-race meal. So a little bit of a problem is if I wake up at like nine, then I'm eating breakfast at 9.30 or like – Oh, right. 10 or whatever. Right. So then uh, I eat a whole meal, big old breakfast at 10. And then I'm eating a whole pre-race meal at exactly 12, which is four hours before the race. Um, and then I basically eat an entire cup of rice with two eggs or pro- or chicken if I have it. And then usually, I don't know, it just depends. But usually something like a cup of rice, some greens, two eggs, avocado, little little sauce of some kind, you know get crazy with it not actually it's very 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 basic and i just eat a lot yeah dude amazing champion and eat so you (laughs) like you're super full like four hours before your race yeah and then i basically do not eat another thing until i take a gel 20 minutes before the start really wow yep not a thing no because i eat such a gross amount of food in that one sitting (laughs) that like yeah, I really don't get hungry because for cross, it's so intense. Like, the goal is to basically, like, raise on a completely empty stomach, um, having already processed and digested all that food because, you know, anything that's in your stomach while you're racing is not being utilized. You're just hauling around extra weight, and you're giving yourself race gut for no reason. We're just taking your energy. Yeah, well, not – I mean, not even because basically your body and your legs take all the blood, your stomach mm-hmm. kind of, like – doesn't do anything because it doesn't have the blood it doesn't have priority so you're just kind of kind of sitting there with it in you Interesting. So, um, and do you yeah. have you try to have a gel or anything in the race in a 60 minute race not for cross um from what i've seen i haven't really need from the day like i haven't really needed 
to eat anything mid-race. And, yeah, I think, yeah, not really necessary so far from what I've seen. Gotcha. So what would That's you do? Cool. That's interesting. Maybe. What would you do for, like, a longer race where you need the fuel all day and you don't necessarily want to start with an empty stomach? Um, yeah, so that's kind of when, honestly, like that's something new that's going to be changing for me is like that timing, um, now that I'm learning more about it, but for like an early morning race, yeah, I mean, honestly, probably trying to avoid that like 30 minute to, well, it's tricky. It's tricky for an early morning race because you can't exactly always eat exactly 20 minutes before the start of your 7am growl race. Right. Um, but yeah, probably eat a decent sized breakfast, but not as big, probably like something like pancakes or oatmeal, probably reduce the protein, reduce the fiber up the, basically like go move up the glycemic index, the closer you're eating to your event, more or less. Oh, right. Right. That makes so much sense. <laughs> Marco's, yeah, and, Marco's. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then, uh, for, in race, usually I shoot for like 100 grams of carbs an hour. I like goo rock chain drink mix. Sometimes oh. I'll mix it up extra thick, make it a 90, 90 gram carb bottle. Yes, sir. Um, which dry apparently, mix. The, Straight up apparently dry that'll mix. just destroy, apparently that destroys most people's stomachs. Um, but uh, I found out that I can eat pretty much anything. So good. Is it? That's yeah. a to have because i know it's really hard to be like a distance racer and not be able to eat on the bike yeah i don't know how people do that that would uh that'd be quite a quite an l yeah (laughs) you just sign you're just signing up to lose (laughs) yeah yeah i actually went through a phase this spring during my base miles where i did a bunch of math and a whole bunch of other stuff based off some like metabolic testing and some other stuff and for some reason, I decided that I wanted to try doing like 140 grams of carbs an hour while I was Holy doing base miles. Crap. Yeah, which in retrospect grams. is a lot. And Actually, like 145. 140 yeah. grams. What is what does that even look like? Is that like dry dry scooping uh, like the mix? <laughs> Your mouth is full of dry scoop. Yeah. Marco, quit making excuses to dry scoop. It's so <laughs> no, really though, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> I made a lot of rice cakes. I made a lot of rice cakes and a lot of gel. Oh, How many um, rice cakes an hour is that? Uh, that was like about three an hour plus a gel or so. Good crap. Did you, did, were you successful <laughs> or did you ever feel like nauseous when you were doing that? Not really, honestly. It was definitely, way, it was definitely probably more than I needed to eat. Yeah. But I was also never hungry. Yeah. But then I also started to be able to just do like back to back to back rides like I've never done in my life. Right. For so sure. like for me, like big miles would be like like a bit like a, one of the biggest weeks I did, I think, was I don't know, like would be like a five six five recovery Friday and then a six six on the weekend. Dang, that's awesome. I can't do that. Mean like, in normal people words. What's that? That's that's twenty-seven uh, hour week. Twenty-eight. Oh, I got you. I got twenty-eight. Oh, I, I got. Oh wait, I forgot about the weekend. Twelve. Twenty-eight hours. So that was probably one of my biggest weeks. And to do that, you know, you break that down into kilojoules and calories. I, my endurance numbers are two hundred sixty, two hundred seventy watts. 
277 watts is a thousand kilojoules an hour. So that put me at wow. like 945 kilojoules an hour. You want to do Jeez. 945 kilojoules times oh 27 hours. Uh. You're looking at <laughs> that's, you know, 25,000 kilojoules. You convert that. If you, I don't, I don't know my exact efficiency factor, but it's usually about 1.1 if you're pretty damn fit. So 1.1 times 25,000 is, you know, that's 27.5 calories on the bike, not including, I do 2,400 calories a day if I just laid on the floor. Wow. So Holy crap. That's the champion. That's, that's 18,000 plus 27. That's about 45,000 calories a week. That is awesome. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. That is awesome. Talk about. Yes. And Caleb's not a large person. No. Oh, yeah. Weigh like 135 pounds. Size small. Oh, that's, that's amazing. You pretty much are like eating your weight every other day or something, it seems. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what was pretty incredible is like, you know, that just absurd brain fog you get after like you do a six-hour ride and you don't oh. think you'll ever like function again oh yeah <laughs> so that like that is entirely glycogen depletion like basically yeah. you're using up all the glycogen in the entirety of your body and then your brain doesn't have enough fuel to function properly right amazing and i basically i basically day. got rid of that brain fog that's awesome wow. like i would do a five-hour ride and then i'd like go home eat a late lunch hop in the norma tech boots and then go do a like a leg workout at the gym. Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> so you're, you're more than twenty efficient. hours. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. So with gym, I was doing like back to back to back thirty hour week builds. Oh my gosh! Because you're fueling, because you're fueling so efficiently, you're able to, your body's able to keep going. Basically, like that's what I figured out is I'd probably been under fueling my entirety, like the entirety of my previous years of base miles. I mean, I was definitely eating more than I needed to, but like it turned out to work really well. And I was able to like go do a PR. I, I don't know about everybody, but I keep track of like four hour PRs, five hour PRs, six hour PRs. Like I, apparently that's not something pe most people do, but I know. Um, <laughs> So I was able to, you know, go do a six hour ride PR and then the next day go do the same numbers for five hours. That's awesome. Jeez. I'm taking notes. Facts. So are you going <laughs> to It's recorded. Continue? So like <laughs> when you finish this season, you take your off season, are you going to continue trying to do like that 140 grams of carbs for your next season? Or are you going to dial it back just a little bit? That's Probably, I'm probably going to dial it back. I think it was more than I needed. Um, what? Honestly, to what? Well, yeah. Uh, um, I, honestly, I'll probably go I'll go to Arizona for base miles after my off-season. Mm. I'll probably either – maybe I'll do it here in Missoula or I'll do it down there. The key is you find, you find a college with a sports performance laboratory who wants test subjects for free. Oh, and then wow. you have them do metabolic testing for you for free. That is yes, champion pro tip right there. We're gonna yeah. have, we should. Shoot. Wow. Or if I can't if I can't do that, I'll just just pay for someone to do it. But I'll probably do more metabolic testing because I haven't had it done since 2019. Does it change um, every year? Yeah. Really? It's, well, 
it depends on your age and how long yeah. you've been doing it. If you're a 40 year old dude, you're, you know, right you're not, you're not changing anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But for the athlete I was last time in 2019 when I was tested versus the athlete I am now, I'm, I'm just completely, completely different. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. I'll probably get that done and get some uh, more explicit data on what I need. And then I'll combine that with the super sapiens data I'll be using. Um, which honestly that having that glucose monitor alone will help me figure out what I can do. Actually, honestly, I probably don't, even, it'd be nice to do the metabolic testing, but in theory, based on the, the blood glucose monitoring alone, I could pretty yeah. much figure out if I'm eating too much or too little. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, beautiful. That is very cool. That's some serious data geekery for you all. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> that that was hot sauce. That was just <laughs> that's, that's the most good though. I feel like that's what I need to figure out for next season going yeah. into races. Like I have no idea what 100 grams of carbs an hour is like. Five gel. I need to figure that out and figure out what my body actually needs because my strategy right now is just eat Cliff bars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Caleb, yeah. you're how how long have you been in cycling that you would if you look back on your your uh your younger self to where you are now in terms of your career what's the range of time that you've mounted up to this amount of information and understanding um like how long i've been training like like at a high level or what do you mean uh maybe both like the like you're now into the you have this amount of data and you said in the past couple years you haven't had this kind of data When, when was the shift where you're like you know, you started diving into really like David and Judah and myself, like all of us looking at where you might have began, uh, you know, to where you um, are now in your knowledge. Like what, what's the process or how did you even get to that point? I think I really started to think about it more seriously in 2020 when I was starting base miles. I don't know. I read the whole Scratch Labs like intro cookbook intro thing and was like did some did some uh, data digging based off some other metabolic testing I'd done and started to really think about it then of like, okay, how much do I actually need to be eating calorie wise and started to work on it then. And um, I think I made some solid improvements that year. Cause then that was like OG COVID. And uh, all I did was ride my bike for like the next eight months of my life. Cause we had no racing. Um, so awesome. I think that was definitely a, a deeper dive into it. Yeah. I did some like, Oh God! Speaking of a bonk, I had. Oh, <laughs> bring it out! Bring it out! <laughs> so this is actually a couple. So like during 2020, I just got really bored. Like, did a ton of base miles, then did a ton of KOM hunting. Just like got vicious with it. It got personal. Yes, we, there was uh, drama in the Madison, Wisconsin drama community. Oh damn! Uh, Wait, oh, tell yeah. the drama, please. Oh, like we were. <laughs> I started going up with this one dude, this one triathlete's KOMs and this, yeah, there's like this, all this stuff started happening. There was like one ride where he went and took this like 15 minute famous ish in the area road, like road climb. That was, has been like the finish for the collegiate road race for regionals and stuff. And I had it. Then he went and took it, but I got the notification while I was riding. No. <laughs> Yeah, I was sitting at the gas station, and I'd actually just gone for the 2014 
U23 Road Nats climb KOM. Oh, dang. I got, where, where was I got, this? I, this is in Blue Mounds outside of Madison, Wisconsin. Dang. Oh, my gosh. So I'd just gone for that one. I'd gotten second to Emerson Arante, who raced World Tour – or uh, Conti for Rally. And, like, the leaderboard is the U23 Road Race, so it's, like, like Johnny Brown, like – Dan, wait, what's that do, one dude's name? Um, who is the guy in Trek Segafredo who won Pronat? Um, Daniel? No. Shoot. I don't know. This is before. <laughs> I my... don't know. Yeah, you guys might be a little young for this. Anyways, the whole the whole <laughs> list of people in G23 racers who went on to race like World Tour and Pronat stuff and like Condi level shit. But I'd done that. I was at the gas station, got this um, notification that he'd taken my KOM. No. And it was like a it was, a, it was like a ripping tailwind of a day, which is why he got it. Because he was no. strong. But like that's why he went for it, because it was like a good day. And I would like was already maybe ten miles away, like heading off to finish my loop. And I was like, Alright, screw it. I'm going back. Yes, sir. Wow. And went yes. for it and took it back from him. So he'd had it for approximately Maybe two hours before. No. <laughs> yeah. It's like the psychological warfare was just like turned up to 11. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was, that's amazing. He probably didn't oh, ride yeah. for a week. Oh, it, it was like, like during COVID when there was nothing else to compete on to. That is awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was just like such a mind so many mind games on that one like oh. dude yeah i literally turned around mid-ride and went and got it nice nice yeah that's sick so, i have segments in my phone that i've lost while i've been at college that i have to like <laughs> go back and try and get like the next couple of times wow yeah oh I so actually, where the where, the bonking where, where did the bonking yeah, occur off again. oh yeah yeah <laughs> I, I'll, <laughs> david, david i'll note that uh i have i have a email folder for KOMs that people have taken from me, but yeah. as I moved on in college and life, I'm probably not going back through this folder. <laughs> you just made an email folder of you all should, the Strava emails. You should it's literally them. called Lost KOMs. I'm looking at it now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a lot of KOMs. I'm, not, I'm just going to say that. I'm just going to flex this now. I have a lot of KOMs. <laughs> That's some, that's some next level shit. It's it's just I've been, I've had I've had Strava for a while. I don't know if you've ever looked at the Strava desktop version, but you like you know how it breaks down by into pages. Yeah, yeah. I have about twenty five pages of KOM. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Oh my god! This is, Holy crap! It's twenty five. Like we're we're talking to the sni- the sniper of KOMs right here. It's like it's the the, it's the untold stories of the John Wick. No, I'm he doesn't delete do, my race like resume and oh yeah, some of them. But yeah, yeah, I'm just gonna delete my race resume and yeah, just send them a link to my Strava Strava KOM page because that's, that's all that really matters in professional cycling. Right, let's be real. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. No, there's a Strava segment in that one of my friends John and I, who's also now coached by Caleb, we went on we went on a ride and we went pretty fast like through this tailwind section. And I think we averaged like 27 or something. And I got home, I got back to the dorms and I was like, you got second on this segment. And I'm like, oh, second? I might not, I might not be that far off. I got to go back and get it for real. 
and I looked and I was averaging 27 for like a 10 minute segment. And Caleb went through and beat me by like several minutes, averaging like <laughs> two. Holy crap. I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll be close. Nope, wasn't even close. Yeah, I, I think we talked about this the other week. Like, that exact segment is, like, one of them's called, like, the something, like, 1100 East Wind Tunnel or something like that. And, yeah, I think I have that, like, segment. Like, it's, like, 36 miles an hour or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, 27, 27 miles an hour on Indiana Flat Roads is, like, that is slow. Like, you will not get a kid. No offense. It's just, that's like objectively slow for Indiana roads where people go out on TT bikes and stuff. During a, like, windstorm. Oh, yeah, like a literal hurricane. Oh, my God. All right. This reminds me of a different, this reminds me of a different ride in Indianapolis. Tell it, tell it, tell it. We'll get back to the bonks eventually, but this was Keep going. Keep, we're here for it. We're here for it. This was maybe 2018. Probably like the, probably the windiest bike ride I've ever done in my life. That's I'll awesome. see if I can find this. So it was like, <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. It was like a literal 30 mile an hour west wind. Just yes, sir. Like, like baseline 30 miles an hour. Um, wow. With gusts up to like 40 or 50 miles an hour or something like that. It was just, it was absurd. Uh, it was beyond absurd. Like. There are mailboxes getting blown over. There are trash cans getting blown over. What? Like, oh, it was it was like <laughs> I would say like dangerous. <laughs> and every Indiana cyclist is out on their bike. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, all right, I'll just ride west. Right, like right, right. We'll just ride west, and then eventually, like, do this loop, and then like flip it. You know. I'm seeing if I can find this actually. So I started going west, and I think it's like a four. It's like an 80 mile loop, and boy, <laughs> I want to say it took me like three hours and 15 minutes to do the first like 42 miles. <laughs> Holy crap! Crawl. Yeah, like oh yeah, like it was just atrocious. Like oh, it was just. <laughs> Like, not even, not even, like, fun. I don't know what to even, like, say. But then... Just in the sludge. Oh, it was just, like, absurd. It was horrible. It was horrible. Um, (laughs) But then I I got to, like, turn around. Right, right, right. Then what? And just, like, full sail all the way home. I'm pretty sure I'm trying to see if I can find it in my training peaks, but I'm pretty sure I got home in about an hour and thirty-five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like I did I think I did like straight twenty-six, twenty-seven miles an hour for for the like the forty-two miles home. Yeah. And then and because it, it was just like flatline like indie roads. So I think right, right, like I, right. I, there was, you know, one section that was like legit just 10 miles straight with like basically no stop signs. And I, <laughs> and I averaged You'll get that. in the <laughs> low thirties for about 10 miles straight, like doing oh, my God. low endurance, low endurance. It's probably the greatest feeling ever. It literally- oh, it was, <laughs> it was fantastic. It was just, just silly. 
That's sick. Yeah, I've, I think I've that's done probably so many rides like that this spring and everything. There was one of my favorite ones. There was like some storm rolling through, and I went out like into the wind, was getting like hit with these storms, and then I was like, "All right, I'm gonna time it so I'm like between storms, and then I'm gonna go back." Oh my gosh! And so I went back, and I was like. I would like catch up to the I would catch up to the storm and then I'd quick like turn and go perpendicular to it for a bit and then I'd turn back and like chase it down again. It was awesome. It was Whoa. so funny. <laughs> Just riding right on the edge of the storm. Massive tailwind. Oh, uh, those rides are so fun though. Holy crap. Jeez. We're about to get yeah. deep in some indie winter training. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's honestly it's not too bad because it doesn't uh doesn't like snow over the way it does in other places so you can kind of yeah. kind of get after it all winter which is kind of nice honestly yeah. we're looking it is very for... snowy right now yeah we're looking where's there snow missoula I... yeah oh dreamy there's a but there's a lot of snow in michigan right now isn't there marco yeah and then 40 degrees rolled through and i'm very sad but i love snow we had five days of just straight snow and it was That's amazing awesome. That's awesome. Just in time for me to come home and ride my bike. <laughs> yeah, like it's all nice. melting now. So you guys will be just fine now. Uh, oh, sick. All right, we got to hear the bonk story, Caleb. All right, yeah, let's see. I think, yeah, that was 2020. So yeah, basically like, you know, you did the KOM hunting. You did the whatever. Then I was like, all right, I'm going to do some big rides, you know, like. Um, <laughs> Might as well. Yeah, you know, I think. Started to figure out like, oh, I can do some just big ones and. At some point, I was like, all right, I'm going to ride 200 miles. I got nothing else to do. Like, I can do this. Like, you know, like, if I can ride 140 miles, I can ride 200 miles and just go a little easier, you know? Right. Um, right. So I, like, mapped out a 200-mile route and left early. And Did you go? Um, hmm? Did you go with anyone? Nope. Oh, my gosh. Solo. <laughs> Great solo. Holy crap. Yeah, and uh, – the way it worked out with the wind was really lucky. I made it like hillier on the way out. It was a west wind. I went west and then had like a little bit more of a flatter way home. So the, that all played out well. But I think I had like around mile 175, probably like five o'clock or so. I got to the, like the last water stop before I was going to grind it home and was just like, oh, I'm trying to think what I think what happened was I missed a gas station like cut like spur off. Uh, around like hour maybe hour seven to eight or something yeah and then because of that i ran out of water like oh maybe no like mile 165 or mm. 160 maybe so water. because of that i like kind of slowed down my eating because i couldn't like stomach like you can't no. just pound bars with no water you know it just doesn't not yeah. work um right. Right. So I think I did like a good 45 minutes without really eating anything. Ooh. Which uh, after be- hour in. Yeah, like I think around, like that's probably like probably like hour 7:45 to like 8:45ish maybe. Yeah. But uh yeah, I got to a quick trip in uh in Wisconsin there and like they always have the the chicken tender signs and that was that was the, that'd been the, until that point in my life. That was the closest I'd ever been to like actually 
buying like gas station chicken tenders <laughs> and consuming them, but I knew full well that I could not eat solid food and was would have thrown up. Um, wow. But I think I just I think I'd actually pack drink mix for that like that ride, which is what I'll do sometimes on long rides so I can have liquid calories. Yes. But I think I pounded some candy and some drink mix and What's honestly your- probably like Andy, mm-hmm. what's the candy go to? Um, usually. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Candy goes. <laughs> so, so honestly, I very rarely ever buy food at gas stations. I usually leave the house with everything I need for a ride. Yeah. Um, but if I'm like mega cracked, I'll usually go for like a Snickers and a Coke. Yeah. Honestly, usually I want the salt, so I'll get a meat stick. Um. <laughs> You're at a Wisconsin Quick Trip. Honestly, I'll throw oh, in a little quick mi- trip. A mini mini chocolate milk and a in a little donut too. Shoot, so, truth. Oh, yeah, but uh, that was uh, that was a gnarly one. I think the other gnarly one as I rode from my cabin up in northern Wisconsin to Stevens Point, which is about halfway in between. Um, Basically, like the tip of Wisconsin, not northern part of Wisconsin and Madison, it's like middle of the states. So I rode, mm-hmm. I think that was 140 miles point to point. My dad was driving home, so he picked me up. North. But uh, let's see, on that one, I there's a there's a big ski area in Wisconsin. The biggest ski area in Wisconsin is called Rib Mountain uh, mm-hmm. or Grand. Oh yeah, it's called Grand Wausau. Yep, in Wausau, and uh, so it's like basically the biggest hill in Wisconsin, and that was right at the century mark of this ride. Whoa, man, that's intense. Yeah, and that's also where they've done, like, State Road, or I guess Badger State Games used to be a thing. They do, like, the time trial would be up that, like a hill climb. Dang. But, so naturally, I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to go take the KOM at, you know, <laughs> up that on the way on my ride. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Big so KOM. I, like, yeah, I, like, uh, got, you know, got there. Actually went to a quick trip, ate some food before that, then went to the bottom of the climb, threw everything in the bushes, like Phil Guyman style, like bar bag off, you know, everything out, you know, bottles yeah. off, gave her the beans for 10 minutes, smashed the <laughs> KOM. You got it? Oh, yeah. I took oh. like, <laughs> well, it's like, it's such a popular hill climb. It's like, it's one of those where there's like 20 segments for this one climb. Yeah. So I got like twenty sec, like twenty k Oh my goodness! Oh my gosh! It's hacking. So, uh, but but then I so then I like had another forty something forty five miles to go or something like that. But I was like super amped up because I had the lava, uh, lava Strava lives tracking, so I knew I got it. So I was all jazzed up, That's and so you know like long, long. you know was giving her the beans, started doing some tempo because I was all amped up, you know. <laughs> so like you know you know just start doing some tempo at like mile 110 yep. um i don't know that probably lasted like half an hour <laughs> then and i was like oh and it kind of started to fade out a little bit and yep. then it kind of kind of dropped off a little more and uh <laughs> now i now fortunately i was i was meeting my dad at a culver's so oh the, nice. the plan was always to get food there but i like was probably like 15 miles out or 10 miles out starting to like bleed through my eyes and i'm like oh, texting in oh. my order I'm like i'll be there in 45 minutes like <laughs> i'm fucked um, 
but I like ground out the last like seven, eight, nine miles. Just that was at the point where like your legs, you know, your your muscles are running out of fuel, and you feel like you're just like shredding your actual muscles because you're like, mm. actually, that's not even that. At that point, that's no longer a glycogen thing. That's like your actual like muscular endurance is you're out of it, and you are now shredding your muscles in the same way you work out in the gym. Um, that's rough. Which, yeah, like I was at that point in that ride, and I was so cracked. I was so absurdly cracked. That is awesome. But uh, <laughs> yeah, ironically, because it was point to point, and it kind of had a cross tailwind. It was like a yeah. 140 mile ride, but it didn't like it didn't like six hours and 15 minutes. Shoot! Jeez, yeah. What? He's tapping yeah. it out. Yeah, I think I averaged like just under 23 miles an hour. Dang. <sighs> God. Also, northern Wisconsin's flat, so right, <laughs> just cooking, just cooking. Yeah, I... we were we were hustling, and same with that two hundred mile ride. Actually, I think the way it worked out, everything was like, I think it was like a ten hours and ten minutes or something. Dang, yeah. So what what was your Culver's order that saved your life? <laughs> right, oh boy, right, right. I always go for a good a good butter burger value basket. Got to get a double butter burger with oh. cheese. Oh. And you know the fries, of course. Then I've always, always got to go for a, a solid concrete mixer with some Oreo and Oreo and Butterfinger. Bro, nice, nice. So, yeah, yeah well that's the, that's the go-to. Anytime I'm back in the Midwest, I've got to, got to hit the caller. Non-negotiable. Culver's <laughs> is really good. Culver's is not bad. So what's like? What's one hobby that you have that does not involve bikes? Ooh, let's see. Or or data or data. <laughs> uh oh. Um gosh, I'd love to I learned to do like ski mountaineering stuff last winter where you like skin up the mountain, you basically ski up and then you turn around and ski down. That was that's super fun. Um Are you pretty new to yeah. skiing? Downhill skiing, yes. I snowboarded my whole life in the Midwest. Um that's uh, I did terrain park because there's no actual skiing here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I learned to do that last winter and like to do that for fun. That's awesome. I like to rock climb when I have time. Enjoy enjoy climbing. Um, Outside or? Gosh, both. I've done both. Usually yeah. more inside because it's way easier. Yeah. And, but uh, yeah, honestly, like to like to do some cooking. Like to do some bacon. Yes. Sir. Um, oh, very nice. I'm a coffee coffee geek. Holy crap. Yeah. Do you have a particular style of coffee that is your go-to? Espresso, cappuccino, a certain bean that is your favorite? Oh, I'm a I'm a I'm an espresso nerd. Like oh, I nice. I'm look I have a rocket espresso machine in my kitchen right now that I'm looking at. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Baking is hilarious because we'll do like our phone calls for coaching and stuff. We'll be like, hold on, I gotta get my muffins out of the oven. <laughs> I double booked myself. It happens. All right. Exactly. Up a little bit. We'll get. We'll give you some time, Caleb, to do a shameless self plug. It's like, what? <laughs> what are you doing for the rest of the season? What are you doing next season? Just, just tell us about yourself shamelessly. Yeah. What are things we need to know? Ooh, gosh. I mean, I feel like I just talked about myself for like an hour straight. But I no, I no, you're going. amazing, champion. Keep going. <laughs> we're, we're, we're here for it. We're here for it. Gosh, yeah. Let's see. Um, currently, I'm training for Cyclocross National Championships 
in Hartford, Connecticut on December 11th. Um, oh. Yeah. I was fifth last year in the elite men's race. Um, not looking to go get fifth again. As, as, although that was a career ride for me at the time, that is no longer the objective. Um, so right. we're going to go big there. And then from there, I'll fly straight to Belgium. Um, I'll jump Belgium. into the, the European cyclocross scene there. I'll race December 23rd through January 9th. And then I'll fly to Spain. And I'll train in Sweet. Spain for two weeks before oh. heading back for uh, one more World Cup and then the World Championships in Hugerhead and Netherlands on uh, February 5th. That's oh, fun. Holy so you're going to be in Europe for a minute. Yeah, like, ooh, I think 55 days or something like that. Wow. Dang. That's going to be hot sauce. So, yeah, it's going to be a minute. You're going to put some people in the tape and win it? Oh, yeah, that's the plan. That is the plan. We're gonna get, we're gonna get after it. All right, I'm that calling it here. Caleb Swartz, national champion. <laughs> you heard it here, here first. For it. That's, yeah, what's here on the, that's what's on the goal board. Let's make it happen. Heck yeah! Thank Thanks, you, very fellas. Thank us. Thank you, yeah, champion. Of course. Thanks for having me on. This was a blast. It's a good, good conversation. I feel like I learned, learned some things. <laughs> yeah. Oh, one last, one last one, one last one. What's your Let's favorite ice cream or dessert? Favorite ice cream or dessert? Oh, gosh. I I have been called many names in regards to the the disproportionate amount of any baked good that is made in any household ever. Um, my carb addiction is outlandish. Um, gosh. But uh, yeah, I'm always a sucker for a good good chocolate chip cookie. I love to make baked goods. And ice cream wise, big sucker for cookies and cream or a chocolate chip cookie dough. Ooh, solid, solid, very, very solid.